When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time once again for another thrilling, riveting episode of Here We Go, the Steelers show. Yes, it's the offseason, so we're not previewing a game, a regular season game, but we're previewing an entire offseason, and that's what we're doing for Here We Go. So it's our own, instead of pregame, it's our own preseason, and we're getting started, and the only way that I feel fit to do this is by having my good friend Katie Smith, the coach. What is going on, Kevin? Hey, Brian. Uh, just enjoying uh, enjoying lovely February at the Jersey Shore. You know, it's a little uh, little rough rough patch of the year that we try to get through here, where the winds kick in. And uh, but we were warmed by some good news today, weren't we? Yes, we absolutely were. And when I think of the Jersey Shore, I think of being under the boardwalk for a good reason. You know. <laughs> It just because that's the only way to stay warm. So, I mean, and I'm not, ta- I'm not just not talking about uh, the, uh, the drifters songs and John Cougar Mellencamp, I think redid that song too. So I'm not doing that, but yeah, you know what? You're right. Nothing. It could be frigid. It could be cloudy, but the sun shining when finally they get it right. And it's announced. And I love how it was announced with one J.J. Watt saying, and the NFL Defensive Player of the Year is T.J. I love the way he said it. T.J. Watt, Kevin. Were you elated, or were you just like, whew, finally? Yeah, I'll tell you what, I was more relieved because I just thought to myself, if they don't, if, if they don't give him the award this year, then it's just, it's just it, it'd be so disappointing. It would, it would just really be such uh, a, you know, I don't want to get, I don't want to be overly dramatic and say like, oh, it'd be a travesty or something along those lines, but it would really be uh, not, not fair. I, I mean, I, I don't think how anybody, and we are clearly biased, right? Cause we are Pittsburgh Steelers fans and we look at, at the world through a black and gold lens. And, uh, but still, if you could, if you can take those, 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 those lenses off and just be objective and you look at the year that he had. Uh, and you look at the impact that he makes on this defense and there are other, there are other excellent players out there, but there's not a single player in the league that you can make the case for who uh, was as disruptive a player on defense this year as TJ Watt. So, so when I, when, when the news was announced, I think it was more, any, more than anything else. I was just like, Oh, thank God. Um, 
and you know now now I can now I'm excited about it you know because I'm it's a great honor man and and it's great for the for the Steelers and it's a great recruiting tool I think about free agency coming up and you know you say to yourself man I, I got an opportunity to go play with the defensive player of the year I think that's a big deal yeah especially if you're an another edge rusher coming in <laughs> you would be pretty excited about that and you know what I mean I don't really know if they're going to be looking at an edge rusher in free agency I'm pretty sure they aren't because of Highsmith being there, but you might want a guy to help me like the Melvin Ingram role, hoping that he doesn't freak out and, and want to leave because he's not being played enough, but well, it's a good, it's a good sales pitch for a corner and they sure need one of those. You know, one of the things I, if I'm, if I'm Mike Tom and, I, and I'm bringing in, you know, a, a free agent corner, one of the first things I'm saying with him is like, Hey, look, you know, you got the defensive player of the year. Uh, and a guy who just tied the NFL sack record coming off the edge. And he's not going anywhere. (laughs) Yeah, and he's not going anywhere, and that's going to alleviate some of your responsibilities. So your job is going to be easier because, you know, you got that guy here. So I think think it's impactful. What about an inside linebacker as well? Well, I mean, with with the inside backers, you know, the impact is is a little bit different because, uh, you know, you're thinking a little bit more along the lines of, well, how does he affect the run game? Because the inside backers are going to be thinking about that a little bit more. Um, my sales pitch always for the inside backers is number 97. You know, yeah. when you when you think about about, but then you 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 put Hayward and Watt together, uh, and and you're talking about occupying three and sometimes four blockers. And so that for an inside backer is very attractive because the number one thing that you want as a as an inside backer is is an absence of clutter. You know, you want you want the dudes up front to eat guys up so that you can run free to the ball. And, uh, and that's certainly a huge selling point having those, those two guys up front. Did you happen to see the final voting tally for defensive player of the year? No, I didn't actually. I, 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 you know, I saw the announcement, uh, read a little bit about it, but I didn't focus on the numbers. So it was Aaron Donald three, Micah Parsons, five, and TJ Watt, 40. Hmm. That's a landslide. Well, that's a slam dunk right there. Yeah. Parsons, Parsons is the only guy that I thought you could make it like a, a little bit of a case for. He was fantastic. And Donald, I, I figured, would get some votes because a lot of sports writers are lazy. And a lot of them are just going to simply say, well, Aaron Donald's great. You know, and they, and they just and he is great. I'm not taking anything away from Aaron Donald. But there's just that narrative out there that he about him being so dominant and the Rams are in the Super Bowl. And I thought that, you know, that might all have an effect. Uh, I would not have been able to stomach a, a Miles Garrett campaign that that would have been appalling to me. Um, and so no votes. Yeah. And, and rightfully so. Again, excellent player. Excellent player. But defensive player of the year? No. Last year, we were saying this, Kevin. We were saying, what more does TJ Watt have to do? And he came out and did it. Yes, you know, did. Because last year, he was phenomenal. And it was, and a lot of people were saying, well, you got to understand what Aaron Donald does is different than what TJ Watt does. Uh, and I understand that. But it was really it was hard for me to stomach not just last year, but more the year before when Stefan Gilmore won it when he lost yeah, to a because, defensive back. Yeah. That's, that was a tricky one because again, he's, he is impactful Gilmore and he can take, he can take your best receiver out of a game, but 
when he does that, it, it basically becomes like 10 on 10 football. And so he's nullified to kind of your best guy, but you now you're still, there's still a whole, uh, you know, other realm of the game that's being played, which he's not involved in. And, and, and that's, that's impactful, but it's a very, very different kind of impactful TJ Watts impact is, is so tremendous that he's a guy that you have to have a plan for on every single play. You have to, you have to make a decision about on every single play, how you want to handle him, what your play calls are going to be, or, you know, in, in what regard is he going to affect your play calling? You, you scheme for him, you scheme around him. You say, all right, we're going to double him here. We're going to chip him here. We're going to screen on him. We're going to make him chase plays to the opposite side of the field so that then we can try to boot back on him. You know, you're, you're, he is in your conversation all week long as you put together your offensive game plan. And I mean, how many players in the league are like that? There just are very, very few. And even when you spend all that time game planning for him, he still produces 22 and a half sacks. It was just, a, it was just a remarkable year on his part. Now here's a, a, Actually, tough question, but I thought about this last year when Aaron Donald won his third. Does this make it easier now for TJ Watt to win another one? No, oh, 100%. Absolutely. It's, it's, you look at like some of these guys that, that go to the Pro Bowl year after year after year, uh, and they, get, you know, they just collect these votes because it establishes a narrative. Once you've won it once, it establishes the narrative that you are a – uh, a defensive player of the year and that puts you in you know an elite club and that makes it easier for people to validate voting for you again that, that you've already justified that you are at this level and so so yes it certainly opens the door to future awards on his part especially if he can continue to produce like this now i'm going to ask you to take your black and gold goggles off completely and answer this last question who's better TJ or JJ? Well, at this point, there's no contest. I mean, TJ's clearly the better player. I mean, JJ can't stay healthy. I'm not talking and about now. Let's talk career, though. So in his far. prime? In his prime. Um, oh, man, he was pretty darn good, wasn't he? Uh, oh, I yeah, he's JJ's amazing. I mean, JJ's, JJ's built the better resume for an entire career. But, but if TJ puts together another couple of years like this, you could easily make the case that he's, he will wind up with i mean all right i'm gonna make a bold statement i'm gonna say that that when all said and done tj will wind up with the greater career cumulatively because i think he'll stay healthier uh and i think that that the the system that he's in in pittsburgh is one that's going to benefit him tremendously uh and i and i think that sort of like the arc that he's on right now is going to sort of shoot a little bit higher than than the way things have gone with jj and Keep in mind, JJ has six years on TJ as well. Yeah. But I tell you what, what a fantastic career. Two brothers, uh, probably the best set of brothers in the NFL, um, even better than the Selman brothers. Um, now, it's it's hard to say that it's they're better than the Manning brothers because that's a completely different, that's apples to oranges. But they, it's almost equivalent to what the Mannings have done except for the Mannings have the rings. Yeah, the Mannings are, uh, and plus the Mannings have, have earned kind of this iconic, you know, they had the name coming in because of their father, and, then the, and now they've, 
They've got the personality that goes with it and their quarterbacks, which is a glamour position. And so I think they'll always kind of be in their own separate category. But uh, yes, you're right. The Watt brothers are, are climbing that ladder, no doubt. Yeah, but you know, Derek's better than Cooper. So Derek breaks <laughs> that true. tie. So that's true. And who knows, man? Maybe, maybe Canada is going to, Canada likes fullback. So maybe Derek will have a breakout year this year. You never know. That'd be awesome. I think he's good enough too. So yeah, we talk about the Mannings have the rings. So let's segue to the Super Bowl. Yes, yeah, somebody's going to earn a ring this weekend. Somebody's going to hoist that sticky Lombardi. And when we think about the phrase sticky Lombardi, that was something that was coined um, in our lexicon by Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, it may have come out before, but he's the one who made it popular. And I believe he brought that out in NFL films, America's team. Have you ever, America's game. Have you ever watched those? Oh, I love them. Love those. Uh, They're I think they're absolutely fantastic. And I, I am going to uh, probably bust out a bunch of them. Now I'm going to ask you this, you know, last year before the Super Bowl, we got together and we talked about our favorite Super Bowl moments and we know what yours is because you've your moniker on BTSC for the longest time, BTSC for the longest time was Cliff Harris is still a punk. So we know it's Super Bowl 10. Yes. So Jack Lambert slamming him to the turf. I, I don't even have to ask you that. And I've got, <laughs> yeah. I've got so many, I, I could tell you so many. So I, I want to kind of, when bringing up America's game, I want to go ahead and talk to you about what your Super Bowl routine was as a kid and what the Super Bowl meant to you when you were a child after the Steelers were were out of the equation in the 80s. So I was pretty little. I mean, that Cliff Harris play occurred in Super Bowl 10 and I was six or seven years old. And that's, again, the first football game I ever remember seeing. And it's the it's the game that turned me into a Steelers fan. So. So that's special to me. But the one, the ones that I really remember vividly are Super Bowls 13 and 14. And after Super Bowl 14, after the Steelers beat the Rams, uh, I went to school the, the next day and I carried around a sign all day long that I had made, you know, on some poster board that just had the score on it. And I, I wrote some, you know, I don't, I don't remember what I wrote on there. Something about Jack Lambert having an interception in that game, uh, which was a big moment in that game. And, uh, and I carried that sign around with me like all day long. And, uh, you know, everybody was laughing at me, ha you know, but whatever. But it was so proud. I was so proud of the Steelers. And, and a lot of my friends, I mean, we, we grew up down here at the Jersey Shore. Philly is the, is the closest city and most people are Eagles fans. But there are a lot of Steelers fans in my friend group. And uh, because, you know, the Steelers were the kings of the NFL at that time. And we were all just becoming big football fans. And so we all just sort of, you know, celebrated that. I just kind of remember kind of sitting at the lunch table and everybody was like, we were like the kings of the school at that time, you know, because we were the Steelers fans. And then it was a 26-year wait, you know, 26 years. And and you go through like your teenage years and your and your college years and your 20s when you're when you probably have the most testosterone and you're the most fired up about all this stuff. And they just never were able to get, you know, get back there. And so, like, if you ask me about Super Bowl memories, I mean, obviously the Cliff Harris story is is my favorite. But the next, my next favorite moment is Randall L. to Heinz Ward in Super Bowl Forty, uh, because that's the moment when I when I finally like exhaled and believed, oh my God, they're gonna win. You know that 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 reverse pass. First of all, it was such a beautiful design. You know, such a great play call. It's 
beautiful throw by by Antoine Randall L. Hits Heinz Ward in stride. And as Heinz catches the ball, he does that kind of gleeful little leap across the goal line. Uh, and that was the moment that put that made it 21 10. And it was it was pretty late in the fourth quarter at that point. And you just and that's when you realize, like, oh, my God, the drought's over. They're going to win the Super Bowl. And it was like a giddy moment, you know, like a, just a gleeful giddy moment. So. So, yeah, it's, it's great. Isn't it great to be able to sort of like as a as a as a fan, uh, you know, a little bit older like you and I are just to be able to, to, to talk about all these things. You know, we have this kind of long history of these of these Super Bowl memories. Yeah, I feel great because I got to tell you this. We did go through that long drought and I still a lot of people think I'm crazy. I still have fond memories of watching Super Bowl 30, even though they lost that game because it was my first one as an adult and watching them in it, it it felt surreal watching a super bowl as an adult after all those years with the Steelers in it and when Yancey Thigpen caught that ball in the end zone right before the end of the half I'm thinking oh we might have something here mm-hmm. and I remember the build up and the excitement and feeling the tide turn even though it was just about to turn back. I remember surprise onside is still one of my favorite Super Bowl moments when they did the onside kick and caught them Mm -hmm. off guard. There's a lot of things in that game, and I know it's a loss, and I know technically we're not supposed to talk about that game. But you know what? I I absolutely love that game. I love the two-point conversion in uh, in the Packers game, and it looked like, my gosh, they could take the lead on this drive. It went wrong, but it felt so great. I remember the exhilaration of just standing up with 38 seconds left and, and saying, oh my gosh, you're lo- we're losing. And then next thing you know, Ben to 10 and Santa- San Antonio pulls that down. But I could remember stuff in the Rams-Steelers game because my parents were there and I got stuck home with grandma and my sister. And my parents went to Pasadena. I, but I remember all those years between still watching the Super Bowl, wishing my team was in it, just like I'm going to this weekend, but still thinking that this is a magic moment because it's the Super Bowl. Because for me, the Super Bowl is a holiday. And I'm looking at this weekend as a holiday too, even though the best part of the holiday is not going to be there, being the black and gold but I just love this weekend. So I was talking about America's game and my, when I was in high school, I would get a VHS tape and they would run a marathon and I would, I ESPN two would run the marathon of the Super Bowl highlights. And then I would watch those for weeks, but I would stay up and watch them as long as I possibly can could get up and watch the highlights and you remember John Facenda, he'd be Lambeau Field and the Green Bay Packers. And he would say all this, this stuff. Did you, do you remember watching those highlights before the Super Bowl every year? Oh, yeah. With that great, that great score in the background, you know, it'd be like, you know, and it, it, you know, the slow motion, the NFL films stuff was so brilliant. The camera angles that they'd have, you know, just the, uh, the, the the mic'd up, you know, Hank Stram on the sideline yeah. in Super Bowl Four is phenomenal. You know, uh, you know they just they just they did such a wonderful job of 
uh, capturing, you know, just kind of like the essence of football, the grittiness of it, but the beauty of it at the same time, you know, and uh, those are, those are great memories, you know, right. Watching all those old films. Uh, it was, it was such a, uh, as a, as a younger person, such an exciting, exciting time to know the Super Bowl was coming. It was a little bit like Christmas. Well, let me ask you this. Now that you're an older man with kids, is this still a special weekend to you with the Steelers not in it? Yeah, it's different. Like we're, we're having a big party on Sunday. We're having probably 20 people here. And, uh, and, and that's, that's a thing we did for a, a while and then got away from it for a little bit. And we're kind of do, we're doing it back. And it's a, you know, it's a celebration. It's an exciting, everybody, everybody, no matter whether you have any interest in football or not, everybody's got a different reason for for enjoying the super bowl you know some people for some people it's, it's a great gambling day you know block pools or betting on the game or whatever other people love the commercials my neighbor next door her her husband and and, and she and her husband are coming over and she has zero interest in football but she's stoked for the halftime show because she's an old school rap fan and she's so <laughs> excited you know for the old school rap to be on stage or whatever you know and and it's just a party great opportunity to get people together and Hopefully the game's good, but even if it's not, you know, you're going to, we'll have great food and, you know, we'll have some drinks and the kids will run around and it's just, you know, it's just a, a good day, you know, like kind of to be with your people. I think it's an American holiday. I actually yeah. think it is. Let me ask you one last question about this. How opposed would you be to the NFL moving the Super Bowl to Saturday? Oh, I've said this a thousand times. A thousand times I've said this. And I, and I was always like told uh, by people that, well, it's because of, uh, you know, the bars. They wouldn't want everybody in the bars on Saturday nights. And, and they'd have to be, everybody would be driving home drunk from, the, from, the, from their bars and everything. Or, or the bars would lose business and the restaurants would lose business because people wouldn't go out. They'd, have, they'd stay in their houses and have house parties and stuff like that. And I always thought, are you kidding me? That's, that's the reason? I don't know. I, I, that's never felt like legitimate to me but it just makes too much sense why wouldn't you do that i know when the steelers were last in the super bowl i i took monday off in advance <laughs> like i am off <laughs> because i'm going to be celebrating yeah or sulking <laughs> it's gonna be one of those things i'm either to quote seth myers they're either gonna win and i'm gonna cry or they're gonna lose and i'm gonna cry <laughs> yeah <laughs> well with that being said the next Steelers Super Bowl team is on our mind. And how do the Steelers build towards that? And it starts with the coaching staff. And so we're going to ask a man that builds a team how the Steelers need to build that team. And we're going to be talking about coaching. And we're going to be doing it when we come back right after this on Here We Go, the Steelers show. Welcome back to Here We Go, the Steelers show. My name is Brian Anthony Davis from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. All your podcast needs, all your editorial needs, you're going to find both of us on 
both sides of that equation, along with Jeff Hartman, Dave Schofield, Michael Beck, Jeffrey Benedict, Shannon White, Tony Defio, Andrew Wilbar. You're going to be hearing the guys from down under, Matty Peverell and Mark Davison. You're going to be hearing the guys from what Ian's talking about. That's Greg and Kyle, the Ohioans in there as well. So there are, if I've missed anybody, I do apologize, but we've got a lot of people that love Steelers and love talking about it. So make sure you check it out and check it out for all your Pittsburgh Steelers needs. My gosh, that was a mouthful. I was really excited. But one thing that we're all excited about right now, Kevin, is this, the fact that the Steelers, they're moving on. And it's a little bit scary when you're moving on from your Hall of Fame quarterback. But it's a new it's a new era in Pittsburgh, and it's something they're building, and they're going to be building it with a new general manager. We're not going to be able to fi- find out that for a while, who that's going to be. But Kevin Colbert is still around to build that team. But they still have to build this team, and it starts with coaching. Is that something you agree with? Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, this is the time of year, obviously, when the Steelers are taking stock of where they are and what they need to do to improve. And, and they, they've made some interesting decisions. Uh, they've moved on from their wide receiver coach, Ike Hilliard. They've replaced him. Uh, and, they're, and they've announced, you know, formally now that Terrell Austin will be the new D.C. And, uh, and so this, you know, this, this is my – I don't want to sound crazy. I mean, obviously I love the season. But I love the offseason, this part of the offseason – so much I, I love the, the the building process it, it it reminds me when I was in college and I, I had this creative writing course in college and our and our writing teacher would sometimes give us these prompts and uh and he would just ask us to write responses to these prompts and and I remember one of the prompts uh that he that he he gave us uh and he and he put it on the board he was this great great looking older man who used to smoke a pipe in class and it, it smelled oh so gosh. good Oh, it was fantastic. Right? Patches on see- the uh, elbows. Oh, absolutely. And this and this white Albert Einstein hair. And I mean, he was a legend, this guy. He'd been pr- a professor there for like 40 some years. And he and he wrote very deliberately and kind of dramatically. And, and his prompt was, is it the journey or is it the destination? And that was that was our prompt. And and I remember I remember like I really thought a lot about that, you know, and, and, and in the end, I kind of wrote a lot about it. It's the you know, the journey. It's the journey. And really, let's be honest, we're, we're football fans. So for us, the ultimate goal is the destination. It's the Super Bowl. Uh, but the journey to get there is, is fascinating. And, and if you're a coach or if you're a, a, a GM or if you're, you're involved in the, in the process of putting a football team together, this is a really special time of year because it's a time of year where you, you, you're building your vision and then you're, you're, doing, you're taking the steps that you believe are necessary to fulfill that vision. And that, and that, it, it, that's a creative process. Uh, that's a, that's a purpose driven process. And it's a process there where you wake up in the morning. There's nothing better than waking up in the morning with a purpose. Uh, when you wake up in the morning and you say to yourself, you know, like, okay, you feel driven because you know, you have things that you want to accomplish. And, uh, and, and the off season is, 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 uh, you know, that time, it's really an amazing time. So, I'm excited to, to, to see it, it unfold. And I know I kind of got off track there because we want to talk about coaches, but I think it's all part of this bigger picture right now. Well, we know that Matt Canada is set in stone for the Steelers this year. 
as the offensive coordinator. And we talked a lot about that last week and him getting the opportunity with his own system to go ahead and prove. Now we got the news that Terrell Austin has been promoted. What are your thoughts on Terrell Austin and get us excited about this? So, you know, I've read some people being critical a little bit of of his promotion because he didn't put up huge numbers when he was the defense coordinator in Detroit and in Cincinnati. Um, but I dispute that. I, I think he's, he's an, a really interesting choice. And I'll, and I'll tell you why, because everywhere he's been, he's really stressed fundamentals uh, as a defensive coordinator. He's really been a guy who's talked a great deal about execution, uh, fundamentals, discipline, responsibilities. Uh, he doesn't, he's not an elaborate scheme guy. He's not Dick LeBeau. He's not the mad scientist who's drawing up, you know, these, these incredible schemes that are going to confuse the heck out of the offense, et cetera, et cetera. He's a guy who wants to get his guys, his, his players executing this, the base schemes tremendously. And that's something the Steelers can benefit from because let's be honest, their execution this past year was not great. Their fundamentals were not great. They were a woeful tackling defense. Their tackling this past year was atrocious. Uh, and, and at times, and I know part of it was, it was a, a factor of so many injuries and a lot of young guys and inexperienced guys being thrust into the lineup, but at times their execution was pretty poor as well. So I think that uh, a guy who's going to stress and emphasize fundamentals is really the right man for the job at this moment for the Steelers. Well, you know, you have me sold on that, and I, I agree as well. And when you look at somebody's past, and you've got to think, you've got to put an asterisk next to anybody that's coached for the Detroit Lions, because there's never a whole lot of talent in Detroit. There really isn't. So you've, I mean, you know, the, the old saying, uh, you can't make chicken salad out of chicken blank. You know, I mean, you can't do that. And he did have a stint with Cincinnati and, but that's when a lot of those guys on that fantastic defense were starting to really age. And of course, Vontez perfect was, uh, was getting hurt and going crazy, you know, and I think he went crazy a long time before, but you just, you had some renegades on that team, like a, uh, a Pac-Man Jones and a perfect and a lot of things, but they, they had some guys up front like Atkins that were just absolutely fantastic. So, I mean, I, I think, I think what he really helped solidify is a pretty good defensive backfield when he came over and things started to change. I know basically you had the, and why is his name escaping me? Uh, no, I I've got a Tom Bradley was the defensive backs coach and he was there, but here's the question. With Keith Butler gone, you don't have an outside linebackers coach. What do you think is going to happen? Is that something they're going to hire or, or are they going to put a big emphasis on an outside linebackers coach or will Jerry O work with, with both of them or will Austin work and help out with that group as well? Well, I think I, 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 would, I would hope that they'll replace uh, the outside back, a linebackers coach, because uh, while, you know, 
well, TJ Watt obviously is, is at, at the top of his game. I mean, Alex Highsmith's a guy who I think uh, can, needs development and, and really has the potential to make a big leap from being, uh, you know, a fairly solid player to being an excellent player. And, you, and a lot of times year three is, is the year where you see the leap and he's about to enter his third year. So hopefully there's a guy there who can work with him every, every day uh, on technique work, on breaking down film. A lot of times the things that the position coach does are the things that we don't really see because uh, we think about coaching a lot of times we think about scheme and uh, you know, we think about from Tomlin, you know, all, all the Tomlinisms, et cetera. And in the background, you have these position coaches who every single day are, are grinding their groups on technique work, footwork, hand placement, film watching. And that's a huge part of what a position coach does is, is he'll watch film with this position group and, and what they're looking at specifically are, their opponents of that upcoming week and what are their weaknesses? What are the things that we can do to capitalize uh, against them? What are, what are we going to have to n- neutralize because these are strengths of theirs, et cetera. And I, I would hope that they'll bring in uh, a coach who can do those things with the outside backers and, and really kind of be like a mentor to Highsmith. Um, but as, as far as Austin goes, I think he's in a great spot because it's no secret. We all know now that Mike Tomlin is really going to be the one doing a lot of the scheme work and a lot of the play calling on game day. And so Austin really won't have to fill that role. And like I said before, that's not necessarily a strength of his. That's not something that you've, you've never heard people say like, Oh, he's a, he's a, an X and O guru. But like I said earlier, he's a guy whose focus is otherwise. And if Tomlin is really the X and O guy on the defense, that'll allow Austin to focus more on fundamental instruction on fundamental emphasis on turnovers. I mean, when he came in, when we pulled him in here, the Steelers were near the bottom of the league in turnovers. And in his first two years in Pittsburgh, we went second and first in the league in turnovers. And we slipped to 15th this past year. So I would think that that will be a renewed emphasis for the Steelers um, and something that he'll be able to focus on since Tomlin's going to be the one carrying the load in terms of the scheme. Very good. That's going to answer a lot of questions with that defense. And that defense, of course, you're right. They do need to bring an outside linebackers coach in. They're going to have to have a defensive backs coach now as well. Somebody, So there's going to be more hires there. What do you think the timetable will be bringing those men in? I don't know if they have – I'm sure they have a list of guys that, they, that, they're, that they're interested in. Um, and they're probably. I'm going to guess that there's probably a lot of people who we, as uh, as fans and outside observers, really just. I mean, don't know who they are. I, I don't think you're going to see a lot of big names. I mean, they still have several coaching positions to fill. If you flip over to the offensive side of the ball, the uh, the big name that everybody's waiting on is the O line coach. But I think about the receivers coach. I mean. Uh, they just hired a guy named Frisman Jackson, who I don't think anybody really knew who this guy was, and then. And then you kind of start to look into his past a little bit more, his background, and you, you see that, okay, there's a Matt Canada connection. Uh, they, they coached together at North Carolina State. And, and then you look at this past year, he wasn't just the wide receivers coach in Carolina. He was also the passing game coordinator. And you think about the passing game in Pittsburgh this past season, which was you know, not very creative, not very elaborate. Uh, it seemed like Canada really struggled to fit what he wanted to do with what Ben Roethlisberger could do, but it also seemed that he kind of struggled with some things schematically as well. And so now maybe Jackson will be a guy who comes in and helps Canada with that 
the way that Austin came in on the defensive side of the ball a couple of years ago to try to help Keith Butler with some things that maybe we thought that Butler was struggling with. And, and so again, you know, I don't know who these guys are who the Steelers have targeted, but my hope is that when Mike Tom brings them in, he's bringing them in for very, very specific reasons. Not, not just like, Hey, we need an outside linebackers coach, but more so we need an outside linebackers coach who can do a, B and C or on the other side of the ball, we need an offensive line coach who is going to be able to coach the schemes that Matt Canada wants to run. I mean, Steelers really have to start to put everything together cohesively because last year was kind of a mismatch of a lot of different styles and pieces that didn't really fit, fit real well together. So, so to answer long story short, to answer your question, if they take their time, I'm totally fine with that. So long as, as the guys they do hire can fit, you know, those puzzle pieces all fit nicely together because that's a big step forward that we need to take. Well, it was evident that Ike Hilliard did not fit Matt Canada's system. And we found that out last year. It was a very, uh, it was a very subpar season with the wide receivers. You expected so much more out of that group. So the hope is that Frisman Jackson will get more out of them. But I, this came out of left field for me. I did not expect this news to happen with the wide receiver coach i expected other hires and the big hire that i'm looking at like you mentioned is the offensive line coach we haven't heard about them bringing that anybody in really i i haven't heard names coming in as the online coach there have been uh andrew filipponi had mentioned that uh they are possibly talking to tom cable who is one of the who has been one of the better offensive line coaches, and he was a head coach in the league for the Raiders as well. So that would be interesting. Last time they did that, they brought the last time they brought in a former head coach that was an offensive line coach extraordinaire was Mike Munchak. So I think that'd be really interesting if they brought in a guy like Cable. Does did Cable get fired for punching one of his assistants? Was that was that Cable? You know, I that might like, be. Yeah. I feel like that's right. I don't know. If I'm, okay. Don't th- that makes him even more attractive. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna the say, guy's got passion. I was going to say, do you put that on the resume or do you, or do you ignore that? You know, I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't think, I, I think with social media and the internet, I, I don't think that escapes your resume ever. Passion is a good word for it, you know? So, Hey, if, if, if Tom Cable can, can uh, coach, the schemes that Matt Canada really wants to run. And, and I don't know what those are going to be. I, I, I think that this is sort of like uh, the Etch-a-Sketch, you know, we, we put a whole bunch of squiggly lines on the Etch-a-Sketch this past year that didn't make a pretty picture at all. And we're now going to shake that thing and clear it all, all off and start over again. And I don't really know exactly where Canada is going to go because his, you know, when you look at his college experience, he, he adapted his scheme to the, the personnel on hand. He ran a bunch of different schemes. Uh, I mean, I've got my own thoughts. I mean, I think I, in a, an ideal world, he's going to run be an outside zone guy and he's going to use gap schemes to counter that. And you're going to see a lot of pocket movement and play action and RPOs. And uh, I think you're going to see a lot of that different stuff. But if Cable can coach the outside zone scheme and, and, and is a good gap guy, and, and honestly, gap schemes, man, that's about physicality. Um, so he seems like the kind of guy that would emphasize that then I'd be all for it too. Well, we will see. And this whole coaching thing will help shape the identity of this team. The final thing I want to talk about today, I think we're going to do this every week just for fun. 
last week we were talking about the team and the offensive side of the ball. And I think I mentioned that I foresee Marcus Mariota being the next quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I figured every week you and I should come up with the next quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I am going away from Mariota this week, and I am going to go ahead and say this week it's Jacoby Brissett. So I'm going to give you an opportunity, and we didn't plan this, so I'll give you a couple seconds to think, but who is the quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers on this date in history? <laughs> uh, I, that's, I, see, I see two very, very distinct scenarios, and they're really, really different. And I'll only give you one because we'll break out the other scenario next week. Okay. And I'm going gr- to agree with you. I'm going to say, okay, scenario one is – where they bring in Jacoby Brissett, who is a free agent, uh, and who was Matt Canada's quarterback at NC State in 2014. And that was a pretty good offense. They averaged 30-something points a game. They put up 41 points uh, on Florida State, who was the number one ranked team in the country in that 2014 season. And Frisman Jackson was the wide receivers coach, and Eddie Faulkner was the running backs coach. And now they're all in Pittsburgh. And you can absolutely see a scenario where they bring in Jacoby Brissett, and they basically say, you're going to compete with Mason Rudolph for the job. You're going to be the veteran who comes in to push Rudolph. And you can see a scenario where, if that's the case, where Brissett beats him out. Or, or maybe or maybe doesn't beat him out at the get-go, but Rudolph stumbles or struggles or whatever, and Brissett becomes the guy, and he's got the familiarity with Canada and some of the other coaches. And it just kind of clicks, which isn't to say that he lights the world on fire, just that it kind of works out better than it was working out with Rudolph. They're very good. Very good. So that is going to be our pick this week, Jacoby Brissett. We will have a new one possibly next week. Or if we're still believing that Brissett's going to happen next week, we'll have them for, it'll be like the American Top 40 charts for the second consecutive week. Here's your guy. So no, I have a totally, I have a totally different scenario for, for next week. And, I, and to be quite honest with you, I think both are are completely plausible, right? I mean, I, th- I think I think both of those scenarios, and then there's probably other scenarios I haven't thought about that are also equally possible. Uh, I think that the Steelers are, are still deciding. I really do. I don't think that they have their mind made up yet. I think what we saw with Mike Tomlin at the at the Senior Bowl uh, and his little love affair with Malik Willis um, is an indication that they're still open to other scenarios, and uh, and so I think our speculation is worthwhile. Absolutely. So I already have an idea who mine is next week as well. And it might fit this team to a T or maybe two T's. There's a, there's a spoiler. So with that being said, Kevin, thanks so much. Have a great week. We will be back here next week. Enjoy the Super Bowl, my friend. Yeah, you too. It's going to, I think it's going to be a good game. I'm excited to watch it. I think it's going to be actually in a classic. I think it's going to be fantastic. If it's anything like This postseason has gone. It's going to be another great one. I still have to say this. I'm a Steelers fan, so go Rams. But with that being said, please don't say go Bengals, Kevin. No, 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 Brian. All right. Uh, I can't do that. That's why we're friends. Joe Burrow's an interesting story and and a good story, and and he's a guy who you you, kind of want to root for. But it would it would take uh, a uh, an act of the creator to get me to root for the Bengals. <laughs> there you go. I love Joe Burrow, but won't root for him in, in the big game. 
There yeah. we go. I, I haven't rooted for him in the postseason, so I can't do that. So we ask you to, one, be safe. Two, be true to yourself. And three, always be behind the steel curtain. For Kevin Smith, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. This has been Here We Go, the Steelers offseason show. And keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the hypocycloids. Mm-hmm.